Well, I wanted to hold off because we we had to see how the Eagles would do. Alex Garrett, by the way, against the Commanders. We had to see what the BBWA was going to say in the, uh, you know, awards section of the Major League Baseball offseason. And yet, Lou Terminello, I'm glad we waited because we have a lot to talk about. We thought Sunday was great. But first of all, the Eagles going down like that? Well, what's with the missed calls? That's my first question to you. The refing in the Bills game and last night with the face mask, is all the controversy warranted? I think it is. Um, I would agree with you, Alex. Again, thanks for having me on as usual. I appreciate it. Uh, the call last night, obviously, um, on that fumble late in, in the Eagles' uh, commander's game, was unique because it was reviewable to see the turnover to fumble, but clearly in that in that review there was a grabbing of the face mask. Uh, but again, they are not able to ter- overturn that, even though it was a clear face mask penalty, and uh, that obviously uh, changed changed the result of the game. Uh, that had an effect on the game. So I don't know if the NFL, usually when things happen, that has never happened before, that they're not, they're not used to. Now we're going to see that, okay, if uh, on a turnover with, um, with an obvious penalty, will they be able to review the obvious penalty? And that was an obvious face mask. Um, so, I, again, that, that was an interesting uh, situation last night. Obviously, the NFL is the, is the league that keeps on giving when it comes to drama, excitement uh, between the, uh, the Minnesota-Buffalo game on Sunday and Washington-Philly last night. That was exciting. You had a 9-0 team who's their first game of the year. Uh, Washington deserved to win. Uh, they controlled the clock for over 40 minutes. The uh, Eagles had it under 20 minutes. Um, Washington and ran for 171 yards. They only ran it for like three yards a clip, and you want to be over four yards a clip. But by rushing it 49, 49 times, they controlled the pace of the game. Uh, and no, the Eagles yeah. made some uncharacteristic mistakes last night. They only had three turnovers the whole season. They made four last night. And the NFL... You win a turnover battle, that's how you're successful. That's how you have successful seasons. Except if you're the Los Angeles Raiders, who have only turned the ball over seven times this year, and they're two and seven. But that's, a, that's another story. It is. And McDaniels has the, still the, the confidence uh, of the Raiders, uh, Mark Davis, the son of Al, who I'm sure is, as always, rolling in his grave whenever the <laughs> team goes below 500. Because, you know, his slogan, just win, baby, right? And uh, That was his slogan for a long, for 22, 23 years, they had the best record in the league over that period, so. You know, he hired, real quick, he hired uh, Madden at a very young age, didn't he, as a coach? Yes, he did. The um, uh, the, the Raiders, uh, he became coach in 1970. The Raiders lost to the Jets in the AFC cha- AFL championship game uh, in 1968 before the Jets won Super Bowl III. Uh, John Roach, Rouch was the coach, and then he went to Buffalo, and John Madden, at the age of 33, got the head coaching job with the then Oakland Raiders, and the rest is, as they say, history. I was going to say the rest is history, but so you have that, and then you have this missed call in Buffalo. I mean, it didn't really, you could say it impacted it, but I want to talk about Allen. I mean, 
you're at the one yard line and you fumble the ball. I, that was the most surprising play of the game to to give uh, the Vikings a lead there. I mean, they they held them, but then they score anyway. It's just what a freak play. I've never seen that before. Fumbling in the end zone. Well, it it is a freak play, and uh, with Minnesota scoring on that fumble, that was the first go ahead defensive touchdown in the last sixty seconds since a very famous game since November nineteenth, nineteen seventy eight. The miracle in the Meadowlands when Joe Pisarczyk and Larry Zonka uh, messed up the handoff and uh, Herman Edwards picked up the ball and ran it in for a touchdown. That was the last time a defensive touchdown uh, led to a lead change in the last 60 seconds of an NFL game. That was a long time ago, my friend. That was 45, 46 years ago. Admittedly, I was rooting for the Bills there because, uh, A, it was the Vikings. Plus, I, I always love seeing Allen win. I, I, there was a play there. His leg was being grabbed on, and he still got one a few yards. I'm like, this He's guy. a bull. He's a bull. He is. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, he's going through a little bit of uh, – he's made some uncharacteristic mistakes. The two interceptions that he threw, I don't know if it was Minnesota mixing up coverage, but the two to Patrick Peterson that he threw – um, might have been on him. I don't know if it had anything to do with, with the Viking defense. But, you know, they were up 27 to 10, the Bills were. Uh, they were up 27 to 23, and they were deep in uh, Minnesota territory. And uh, Coach McNermott decides not to go for the field goal. He decides to go for it. They don't get it. That would have put them up 30 to 23. Um, and uh, Minnesota came back. you got to give Cousins a lot of credit. And uh, Jefferson is as good a receiver as there is in the NFL. Uh, he made a tremendous catch, obviously, on 4th and 18. Uh, the defensive not the best back catch of all time, as they Should have knocked it down, but he didn't. Uh, it was, a, it was a great game. It was, it was the game of the year for excitement and drama and twists and turns, that's for sure. It wasn't but the, the Bills will be okay. The Bills, will, the, the, the Bills should be okay. It wasn't the best catch of all time, though. I still think that goes to Tyree because, A, that's my generation, and, C, B, it was just in a pivotal moment there. So I just, when I heard that. Yeah, like, I, I, I agree with you. Uh, obviously, the last great catch is always the greatest catch of all time or the greatest this or the greatest that. It was a great catch. Uh, these, these receivers now wear these gloves that help them catch the ball where uh, years ago the gloves weren't available or they weren't as um, well-made as these gloves are. The gloves make a difference with, with these one-hand catches, these behind-the-back catches. Now, the receiver's skill is off the charts. Um, but uh, makes for exciting football, that's for sure. All right. I want to delve deep into this whole uh, – one last thing about the face mask, then we'll get into the Giants. But was there a call made against uh, Alabama when the old Miss quarterback had his Helmet ripped off. I mean, look, that was a blatant face mask, and everybody was so upset after that play. You saw it, right? Well, the thing is, you can go back to the Texas game where there was an obvious penalty right at the end of the game, and Texas got a field goal out of it, but Alabama came back and won the game. But Texas would have been able to hold on to the ball, either score a touchdown or take it right down, right down to the final uh, couple of seconds. Uh, so, again, I'm not saying that they are favoring Alabama. These are just missed calls and uh, shouldn't happen, especially in big games like that, especially when they're so obvious. All right. Now we can... Oh. Um, Did you have to take that, Louis? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
on the NFL side, um, the Giants, of course, had the best win of the – I mean, actually, not the best win of the – but of a crucial win in the season, coming back from that loss and a bye week. Um, to win on Sunday was crucial, and now, you know, they say best start in 2008 since 08. You remember what happened that year. That's the year Plaxico uh-huh. shot himself in the – Yep, that's the – Plaxico shot, shot himself, yep, in the, in the hip. And so it's a very different team because actually that team I thought went off to like a six or seven zero start. This one is um, a little more gritty. I don't know how to say it, but this team has a lot of grit to them. You know, I think that they do. Uh, it, you know, obviously it was a workmanlike victory on on Sunday for the Giants. Uh, they rushed the ball effectively against the thirty-two ranked uh, rush defense in the NFL. Um, they didn't really pass the ball much. Uh, the Texans showed there were plays where the Texans show why they're one seven and one. Um, there is no way on third and nine that uh, Petrie should have allowed. And he's I know he's a fine defensive back. Should have allowed a, a five yard square out on third and nine, end up into a, a fifty four yard touchdown down the left sideline for Darius Slayton. Who you got to give a lot of credit to Darius Slayton. Here's a guy who was an afterthought, barely still on the radar screen for the Giants, and he's their best receiver right now. I mean, he, he is. He is. Um, and Galladay, I mean, just trade the guy or get rid of him. I mean, he doesn't want to be on the field for the Giants. He may Well, I don't know if he doesn't want to be on the field. He just may, be, he just may not have it anymore. Those two drops on, on uh, Sunday were, were, were bad. Uh, they, they were bad, and, of course, the fans are on them. And, of course, I'm sure he thinks about it. Um, and... Uh, you know, that's, that's a, a, a problem that the Giants have because he makes a lot of money. He, if they cut him, he's going to be a big cap hit. And uh, yeah, we'll see. But he is not contributing anything to the team. No. Darius no. Tony is contributing to the Kansas City Chiefs in his first game. Oh, During yeah. his first NFL touchdown. You know, He'll no, do no. well at Kansas City. He will. But, you know, some guys just don't work in one place. And let's face it, with Patrick Mahomes and the offensive scheme that the Chiefs use, what receiver wouldn't do well? Yeah, and by the way, I watch NFL Red Zone, so we were watching all those games. Scott Hansen's great, and they just flipped game to game. I told my dad, it's like the ADD channel for football fans. You just go watch it. Is, is that's, a, it, it, that's a good way of putting it. And Scott Hansen is the best at, at that. How he just stays on point with every situation going from game to game, it's unbelievable. It's truly, a, it's truly a great talent that he has. It's an, it's an art. Let's just say it. It's an art. It is an art. Now, mm-hmm. here, here's where I think wokeness and, and, and fragility has hit sports, okay? we got to talk about this. Why is Brian Dable apologizing to his linemen for yelling? That happens in games. Just let it go. Move on. It's just like I feel like he did that so he didn't come off as like a very tough member. They're firing professors for being tough in school. I don't think he wants to be tough on the field. It's like... No, that's how you get your guys in shape, yelling at them. Well, when I saw him do that, I thought of nothing of it. He's the coach. They're the play. Uh, Anderson's the player. Anderson messed up on a key fourth down situation. That forced the Giants to have to change their strategy right there. I think if you talk to Anderson, he's going to say, no, the coach did what he had to do. He had to, he had to chew him out. I don't think there was any reason for Brian Dable to apologize. This is the NFL. This is your job. Um, there's no reason why you can't concentrate for 16 uh, for, for 60 minutes, uh, 17 times a year. 
Um, Brian Dable, his goal is to win as many games as possible, and he has done it. He has changed the Giants' mindset, and you got to continue doing it. Uh, this is no league for you know for softness. That's for sure. I have no problem what Dable did, and it happens in the NFL all the time. Right. Even Brady gets into it with his guys on the sideline. By the yep. way, we got about the first game in Germany ever, and he wins. And it's like, well, I guess he had to win abroad because here he's not, you know, it's, it's not a hot start for him here, but maybe clearing his head in, in Germany with some bratwurst. I don't know. Maybe that helped him. Helped him. <laughs> well, um, I, the trouble with the with Tampa Bay uh, is they just don't have the personnel they had last year. They miss Ron Gronkowski big time. Uh, they don't have a lot of team speed offensively. Uh, their offensive line is not the offensive line it was in the past. Um, I don't even think their defense is as good as, as, as it's been in the past. But they also the one thing that they have on their side, they're in a bad division. So they'll probably end up first. They're only 5-5. Five and five. They, they, they can win a division at 10-7, and 9-8 and eight maybe, believe it or not. Um, but... Uh, you know, they, that's their benefit to them, that they are in a division that Carolina is not winning. Atlanta has done some nice things, but they're not winning. And New Orleans is not winning. So uh, there's, the, the division winner is going to be the only team out of that division, unless there's an incredible turnaround, which there won't be, that's going to go to the NFC playoffs. All right. The uh, I also think Tampa misses Giselle as much as Tom does. Let's face it. They're, they're... <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And she already has a new boyfriend, allegedly. That's her jujitsu uh, instructor. You how long that was going on? Because that's really quick after divorce. You know. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling you may be right on that. I'm sure that uh, that didn't happen as soon as uh, the divorce papers were finalized. No, and who knew she was taking jujitsu? How about that? That's very interesting. <laughs> hey, you know. Um, you talk about heartfelt stories, though, like uh, Ron Rivera losing his mother two weeks ago. And this, and this. Yeah. You know, we're seeing how football and life is bigger than sports, as always. You know, there's no doubt about it. Uh, even last night on the game, uh, um, Troy Aikman, I guess his mom died in the last week or so. And uh, they talked about that on the game and how close he was to his mom. And his mom always watched him on uh, Sunday and now Monday night. I don't know if she had been ill for a while, but yes, uh, we forget sometimes that uh, these players, these announcers, these these people that keep us entertained and that we gravitate to as athletes, because um, they give us uh, enjoyment and uh, entertainment. They're human beings. That's but the one thing we forget. And Aniston lost her father yesterday, who was a great. I didn't know he was an actor himself. That's very interesting. So, um, yeah, I did. I have to admit, I didn't know that either until I until I read that. But you were in the days of our lives, fan. You weren't watching that while you were trying to get Netflix. Well, one of my friends, uh, she's a Days of Our Lives fan, and I guess it's still on. Uh, so she probably knows, and uh, she's on top of all of this uh, soap opera stuff. But I didn't know that. I did not know that that he was a soap opera star. How about that? All right, one last thing in the NFL um, before I move to baseball, and and actually more so, uh, the Nets losing to a LeBronless Lakers. We have to address them too. But uh, Jeff Saturday winning a coaching debut. I know guys like Cower are pissed off that 
you know, Ursay went that route, and I think Ursay's a little crazy. He's always been crazy. But what if that gamble turns up? Look, Jeff Saturday has been a, a consultant for the for the Indianapolis Colts, a team that he won the Super Bowl with. Uh, he well, was a two- with them, I feel like. Pardon me? He had Hall of Fame kind of career with them. Yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Um, and uh, let's face it. Ursay is the owner. It's his team. He could do whatever he wants. And uh, he put Jeff Saturday in. Yes, it's an interim tag. Maybe he'll end up being the, uh, uh, he'll be the permanent coach. But why is everybody going crazy uh, on, on this? I don't, un- I don't understand. Uh, the guy obviously knows football. And uh, he, um, he won the game Sunday. He did what he had to do. He put the best quarterback back into uh, the game, Matt Ryan, because he had a chance to win the game. I, again, I have no idea where this is going to end up, but um, there was no reason for the outcry to be that that definitive and uh, uh, that outrage had to be at that level. I mean, I, I disagree with with Cower, um, I do. I think Cower's a little sour. He didn't get a, a, a look at as a head coach. Maybe that's something because he wants to coach again, doesn't he? Eventually, I mean, maybe. I don't. I think. I think his coaching days are over. If he if he hasn't taken a job now, he's been out of he's been out of coaching for a long time. I I, I really don't. Uh, I I don't think uh, uh, Cower's ever going to coach again. And then, you know, uh, McCarthy with the losing to his former team, I think uh, people want him to go packing if they're Dallas fans. It was a very weird win, though, obviously, in overtime. I mean, uh, I saw they were down 28-14, come back and win it. What happened? Well, in that game, this is going to be a game where, depending on where Dallas ends up uh, at the end of the season, whether they make whether they win the division whether they uh, lose a home game, uh, this game Sunday is going to uh, bite if they don't get where they want to be. They were up 28 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and um, their defense is too good to give up a 14-point lead. Yes, I know it's against Aaron Rodgers, but with 13:23 to go, Green Bay had fourth and seven. And uh, Dallas couldn't hold them. They, they get the touchdown. This kid comes out of nowhere. Uh, this Christian Watson, who played for the powerhouse uh, North Dakota state teams that have won nine out of the last 11 FCB, FCS championships. Um, and uh, he scored three touchdowns that day. But there's no way Dallas should have lost that game. He, of any other controversy when they won the 35 in overtime instead of trying a 53-yard field goal. They went for it. They didn't get it. Uh, I can go either way on that one. They could have punted. Uh, the 53-yard field goal might have been problematic because they were going into a wind, allegedly. Um, but the thing that bothered McCarthy was the play before when C.D. Lamb was held defensively, interfered with, and they would have kept kept the ball, but that's a loss that should not have happened for Dallas. No way, no way. We, I, I was waiting for like the the domino effect. What I mean by that um, 
is you had uh, the Bears blow a lead to the Lions. You had the Vikings come back. I mean, they were down that game against Buffalo. I was worried about the Giants blowing their lead a little bit just because of the trend. And then Dallas caps it off with that. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great Thanksgiving game. Finally, a Thanksgiving game for the Giants worth watching. The last few times they've kind of been, uh, you know, they've lost a few of those games on Thanksgiving. Maybe this is a turnaround here. We'll have to see. But first, they do face the Lions. And this is what I want to look ahead for a second. Uh They face the Lions, who have a three-game win streak. I feel like it's a bit of a threat coming in on a hot streak like that. Well, this is the thing about the Lions. The Lions defensively are pathetic. Their defense is almost as bad as uh, is probably is worse than Houston uh, overall. But the one thing that the Giants have to be careful, and the Giants are on a high-scoring team. They play a lot of games close to the vest. Um, they the Lions can score. And that's where the Giants have to be careful. And I know the Giants' defense has been effective, but really besides Aaron Rodgers, they haven't played. Yes, I know they play, They beat uh, Lamar Jackson, but their games against top-notch quarterbacks have been limited. Um, Goff is a good quarterback who plays for a bad team, um, but their offense is pretty good. The Giants have to be careful this week. I'm not saying the Giants are going to lose. But they better be sharp and be ready to play. I don't think this is going to be. I don't think this. The game on Sunday was a little bit of a bore fest. I don't think this game Sunday, even though the Lions are uh, going nowhere, I think this is going to be an exciting game Sunday. Well, right. There's going to be a lot of action Sunday. You you cannot let them. From what sounds like, you can't let them at the ten yard line like they let the Texans, who actually turned it over in the red zone twice that game. Uh, you're saying that may not happen here. They might actually convert on these red zone. Uh, they they just might, and uh, you know that. You, this is a scare. The Giants should win. I know the Giants are favored. They're home. They should win. The Giants have a better roster, um, but this you got to concentrate. No slip ups, no turnovers. Uh, you don't want to give Detroit a short field. That's what hey, I'm saying. The, uh, how about the real quick the Jets? You know, the Jets come back from their bye week this week. And uh, that week off, I think it came at a good time. You know, they were trying to – they had a good win. They get a rest out of it. And this weekend, they will end up playing on one second. They, they come back oh. this weekend and play the Patriots. So, I mean, they lost to them earlier. What a, what a redemption game that could be for the Jets. Yeah, I wish uh, the Jet that the Patriots didn't have a bye week also. Uh, the, the, the buy for the Jets came out, came out as a good time. It comes right in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, Jets have played nine. They have eight left. This, this is a winnable game. The Patriots have beaten the Jets 13 years in a row. Uh, I think for the rest of the season, the Jets will only go so far as the development of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson needs to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Can't make mistakes because let's face it, the NFL, the, the turnover battle is where teams are successful or unsuccessful, and you have to have the quarterback. Um, so Wilson has to be a difference maker in a couple of these games if the Jets are going to have a winning season. I'm not even going to say make the playoffs, but a winning season. And I think I think they could. I think they can go nine and eight, which would be remarkable. Um, they have a good roster. This is going to be a tough game. You know, you get Belichick two weeks, and uh, 
that's a scary proposition, and um, we'll see. They just cannot turn it over, uh, keep the New England crowd out of the game, and uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, this is a toss-up game. This is a toss-up game. It's probably going to be like a 23-13 to 13 game either way. I can't see it being a high-scoring game. That's for sure. Well, it's funny because every time you picked against the Jets, they've surprised you. So maybe they'll surprise you again. This yeah, I'm not. I'm not picking, picking against them like I like a couple of weeks ago when I said uh, Buffalo's 12 and a half point favorites and they will cover. <laughs> uh, and I was happily wrong on that. Uh, this is this is an either or game. The Patriots obviously have the advantage. They have the coaching advantage, and that's not to say that Sal has Robert Sal has done a poor job. But uh, Belichick is one of the two or three. It's not the greatest coach of all time, and he's the man. New England. And uh, New England has their number right now. But yeah, so it, it would be do wonders for them to win on the road at New England. All right, let's move to different sports because I have the Hall of Fame weekend. I guess for the NHL this weekend, and they had a whole a huge like. Uh, did you see them against each other? You had all these NHL legends against each other. Uh, it was pretty fun. And staying in hockey, the, I, I did not know the Devils have a nine-game win streak. You remind me of that. And then the Islanders have been moving along here. I mean, they, you know, Barzi gets one thousand. It's been it's been humming along for them. Uh, the Islanders, since that first week where they were in and out um, as far as which way they were going to go, they've obviously they they they've taken off and. Um, they're now 11 and 6. They've won some tough games. They came back against two very tough teams, uh, back-to-back nights. Colorado, back-to-back games. Colorado and the Rangers. And they were down three to one in the in the third period, and they came back to win both of those games. Um, they still need to do a little bit more. They still have to get more out of Anthony Bovillier. Oliver Wallstrom had a, his fifth goal last night on the power play. I mean, they need him to become consistent, and. Uh, uh, that those are the keys. If they get, can get these young guys to be consistent, I, th- I think they'll be okay. The NHL Eastern Conference is very, very, very tough. Um, so you can't go through any long slumps because uh, you'll be out of it. And uh, usually you want to do well in the first quarter of the season. They say American Thanksgiving is the first benchmark. And right now as we're approaching American Thanksgiving, the three New York teams... New York area teams, Islanders, Rangers, and and Devils all are looking good. I mean, the Devils have won nine in a row. They're twelve and three. Uh, they their young players are coming through. Nick, Nico Heischer, Jack Hughes, who's going to be a superstar. He's still only twenty one. Um, Jasper Pratt. They're getting goal. They're getting points a game from these guys. They're getting uh, decent goaltending. Their goaltending had always been their issue. Last year they went through, I think, seven goalies. Um, Vitek Vanacek has been good for them. He did get hurt last week, and they had to go with the third-string goalie. But they still won against Arizona when they had uh, Schmidt in there. Um, Are the Devils going to make the playoffs? I would probably say no. I'd say they'd probably be a tailspin somewhere in there. But is the arrow pointing up for the Devils? Definitely. And obviously, uh, the Rangers obviously are a playoff contender. No, there's no locks for the playoffs, but uh, it's going to be a very interesting winter with the uh, with the hockey teams in this market. Yeah, I mean, uh, and next week, I'm excited. you got Connor McDavid taking on all three of them. 
in a row here. We got Monday at the Devils, Wednesday at the Islanders, Saturday, Thanksgiving weekend against the Rangers, and that's going to be a test. I mean, look, I'm kind of looking at at that on the calendar because it's McDavid. I mean, how can you not look at that when when he comes into town, right? Well, uh, Connor McDavid. I mean, obviously that they uh, that tried to put Austin Matthews on the same level with him. Even his teammate, Leon Draisaitl, who's a tremendous player. But the best player, not only in the National Hockey League, but in the world, is Connor McDavid. Uh, he's, 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 he's tremendous. He's a tremendous player, which makes you scratch your head even more that the Edmonton Oilers have not gone to a Stanley Cup final, that they have had more success in the postseason. I know they did well last season in the postseason, but they didn't get to a final. You think that with McDavid, he would be able to take him there, but there's always something missing with the Edmonton Oilers. Just the same thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs. There's something missing with them. And uh, they might even have a deeper roster uh, than uh, than Edmonton. Uh, but McDavid is off the charts. It looks like, breaking news, by the way, because we're going to take one into baseball now, Dan Schulman is leaving MLB's base, ESPN's baseball coverage. Does that mean that was his 12th and final World Series? I'm really disappointed right now. I'm just seeing that on the wire. Well, a couple of years ago, he left Sunday Night Baseball. He left because he wanted to be more with his family. I think he, re- he got remarried during that time, but he was still doing baseball for ESPN Radio. Uh, that is breaking news. He's an excellent announcer. He can. Uh, he's excellent at uh, college basketball, and he's excellent at uh, baseball. He's an excellent announcer. He's also the Jays announcer on TV. Um, so I don't know what what his future plans are. But he and he's a young man. It's not that he's he's an old man. He's a young man. So I don't I don't know what what's going on there. Um, but uh, he is an excellent announcer. He's college baseball, you know, I mean, college basketball now. So he actually did that uh, game from the USS, which was great, uh, Michigan. He did a great job. And by the way, I'm glad you brought that up. I've seen a lot of games from aircraft carriers. That game the other night was the best, uh, the best presentation. It looked the best. Um, that, was a, that, w- that was well done. Our own hall was on there. Seen Hall was on there at least once in our time, carrying them. Yes, yep. Mm-hmm. And I know they had an experience. And, you know, speaking of Hall, I guess we'll go there next. Um, you know, Holloway faces an old team. St. Peter's does not have some of the big standouts they had last year. And so they kind of have to work from the ground up. But I'm sure for Shaheen, even though they blew him out, it was special to face that team that just over a few months ago had captured the heart of the tri-state and the nation, if you will. It did. St. Peter's, did ca- they captured the heart of the nation. That. That was what St. Peter's did is remarkable, and that's why everyone loves March Madness. And, and I don't know. It looks like they may not be able to get there. We'll have to see um, down the pike here. But, yeah, it, college ball, college basketball is back, and Seno's got a 2-0 start so far, which is promising. I know it's sort of been not easy competition, but it's not the hard mm-hmm. heavy hitters yet. But, hey, a win's a win. No, win's a win, and obviously these games are good because they, they act almost like preseason games. And uh, their team looks well, you pretty... you also told me once that they actually lead to something in March. They, they, it helps the selection committee figure out who can who will, who will be seated, right? It helps them with the seating. 
Oh, it, it absolutely does. Like they're playing Iowa tomorrow night uh, at Prudential, and uh, Iowa obviously has had a good basketball tradition. Um, and winning a game against an Iowa is obviously carries more weight than uh, uh, winning a game against Monmouth. But it, uh, tomorrow night will be a good test. It, I'm glad. I'm glad it's at. I'm glad it's at home. And uh, you know we'll uh, you know we'll we'll, we'll see what, what happens uh, there. But um, they have a tough schedule coming up. They play Iowa, then they play uh, Penny Hardaway's Memphis team at at Prudential. Uh, I think it's at Prudential next week. Then they got to go to Kansas. So we know that's going to be that's going to be a monster game for them to win. But again, it's all builds up to the to the. Big East season, which begins earlier this year. I think I saw on the schedule, begins a couple weeks early. It usually begins right around New Year's Eve, December 30th. I think I saw the, their first game is against Providence on the 17th. So, um, Interesting. You know, Lou, I was just thinking, as we talk about sports, we should also come to the table with like a, a story that not many people are talking about, but that we heard about like individually. So any sports story that you heard about that may not have been uh, – I don't know, highlight it as much as, as you as you want it to be. Um, well, I mean, you know, what we could talk about, I mean, obviously we just talked about one that hasn't gotten, uh, uh, that wasn't as highlighted, the Devils' nine-game winning streak. Uh, that that has really been under the radar screen. Yeah, I know we're not in the meat of the hockey season yet, but that that's one. Um, uh, another one is the manager of the year. And one thing I did not know, and I guess, I'm not even sure if they gave out a manager year back in 1969. I would have to check that out. But no New York Met manager has ever won manager of the year, and Buck Showalter is manager of the year tonight. So uh, that that has gone under the radar. Um, but I guess there wasn't a manager year in 1969 because nobody else in the National League could have won manager of the year except Gil Hodges. So I, I think oh, they might have started well, manager of the year in the early 80s. I could be wrong there. The New York Times is talking about – these female athletes making NIL deals, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't care if you're a cheerleader, softball, volleyball, you're an, you're a female athlete, and they should be able to get NIL just like any male athlete should be able to get NIL considerations. Absolutely, you're 100% correct. And you're, so absolutely, that, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, uh, they're no different than uh, um, anybody else, and. Uh, they should be able to get they should be able to get uh, money just like the Ohio State offensive line is getting money. Um, you know they're uh, uh, yeah no it, it it should be it should be equal. There's no doubt about it. I now, love of course, Bryce Young got a million bucks um, before he even took a snap at at Alabama. Right, uh, that again. was uh, that was like okay. I guess they're getting paid to lose or whatever, and they upset them. So that added to it. Hey, I know, think the uh, whole Texas Tech offensive line got paid twenty five thousand dollars a person um, um, by some local where do we sign person down in down in Texas or some booster. I mean, this is the way. It, first of all, this NIL thing is a real issue. I don't even think we've seen um, the damage that it's caused. Now, do I think that they should be paid um, for their their image and likeness? 100%. But I think it has to be, almost, I, I hate to say it, it almost has to be capped out. 
I, I don't know where this is going to where this is going to end. But how could a Seton Hall or a Providence uh, recruit a great high school player, male or female, when uh, somebody from Kentucky or Ohio State uh, can give them some more NIL money than somebody who follows Seton Hall does or a sponsor of Seton Hall does. It, I mean, this book is still wide open, uh, it's, it, and it's something to really take a look at. I have no idea what the future of college sports is going to be like. I mean, I don't know if the NCAA is going to be anything of the past. It's just going to be these super leagues, uh, like we see maybe with the Big 12 and the uh, Big 10 and the Southeastern Conference. But I don't want to – remember, in my opinion, they, when they say any more – they call them student-athletes. Okay, they are student-athletes, but they're basically semi-professionals. Oh, yeah, especially because the league, the, the NCAA makes a lot of money on them. Hey, you know, one last topic because uh, we can talk about the end, the full, you know, awards, but I, I'm more curious to know if the absence of Kyrie Irving is noticed. I mean, look, they go out to the coast, they lose to L.A., he's not with them on the trip. I mean, this is becoming a story even more now. Well, um I think the big change, and that's and that's our four and two or four and three um, since Nash was fired, uh, has been that Steve Nash had to go. It had this, I don't think this has anything to do with Kyrie. Yes, Kyrie's a distraction. There's no there's there's no doubt about it. But they up until Sunday and Sunday night they were just taught pooped. They had nothing left in the tank after winning on Saturday against the Clippers in the same building. Jock Vaughn has made a difference. He's he's involved in every every play. He's he talks them from from the uh, uh, from the bench. Uh, he in the post game press conference after the one of the first games, the Nets couldn't protect the rim. The Nets don't have any natural rim protectors. Um, and. Uh, he says, we have a plan to protect the rim, and they've done that. Again, they're going to get tuckered out. They played Sunday night without Simmons, without Curry, who was great on Saturday, but uh, he uh, uh, is still recovering from that ankle surgery. They um, played, they don't have Kyrie, and they're going to make a decision. Kyrie might be a screwball. He might, he might be way out there, but his talent on the floor separates them from the middle of the pack. With no Kyrie, they're just, they're just another team, even with Durant, because... They miss in that regard that he has talent not on the floor, I guess is my question. Yeah, no, they miss his talent on the floor. There's no doubt about it. Uh, I guess they'll be shorthanded again tonight a little bit. Uh, Joe Harris hasn't recovered from his multiple surgeries on his ankle last week, um, or last year, and uh, they need him. Uh, the Nets are... Have, have not been a good three-point shooting team. And, uh, again, you can't count on Durant 82 games, 82 games a year because if you're going to be playing in 40 minutes, especially when you play three games in four nights or back-to-back, uh, it's not going to happen. You're not going to be effective. I have no idea what the Nets are going to do with Kyrie, what the league is going to do with Kyrie. But, again, he's got to come back soon. They've got to make a decision on this. I mean, it's not like he committed murder. I don't agree with what he did, what he said, uh, and I actually have it 
uh, from pretty good sources. He didn't even see the stupid uh, uh, movie. So, uh, again, uh, I don't know what if he'll ever play for the Nets again, if he'll ever play in the NBA again, but uh, the Nets have to move on from him, and they need to get somebody. They're not going to get somebody as good as Kyrie's ta- on talent-wise, but they have to, they have to uh, do something to uh, improve the talent level. I'm going to leave you with one little trivia with baseball. Do you know Jim Bouton was a pinch hitter in 1962? For uh, It was one of their guys. It might have been Whitey because they were wrestling him. I don't know how he got in the game. But he went 0 for 1, and that was kind of his batting you know, batting career. It was very weird to find that out. That It was near the World Series of 62. I don't know if you remember that time or not, but... Uh, yeah. Well, they, in, in 62, the Yankees beat the, Gi- the San Francisco Giants in seven games in what was one of the, which was a very exciting World Series. The Yankees won game seven, won nothing. Um, and uh, Roger Maris made a great play uh, on a ball hit. I want to believe it was by Matty Alou or Jesus Alou or Philippe Alou, one of the Alou brothers. And uh, Willie Mays, I think, held up at third. Or maybe Willie Mays hit the ball. But Maris made the play, and the Giants had second and third, two out in the bottom of the ninth inning, and then Ralph Terry went to pitch the complete game, gave up a line shot to Willie McCovey, but went right to Bobby Richardson, the Yankee second baseman, and that was the final out of the World Series, one nothing. But that that was an outstanding World Series. A little bit before I started really getting into it, um, but uh, yeah, that was. I just, and I didn't realize that Jim Bouton pitched it in that series since you just told me. Bouton, you know, as you know, was a great pitcher for that team. I didn't know he pinched it also at, uh, for how – I mean, it's funny how that works anyway or how that worked out. Anyway, Lou, love talking with you. I thought we had a great combo here. And we will do it all again next week. We'll break down the award winners and uh, break down another week of football. We're, we're just moving along here, sir. Yeah, time flies. I mean, we're coming into uh, Thanksgiving week where obviously that's where you separate the cream of the crop from uh, the uh, also-rans in both college and and pro football. And uh, it's exciting times. We love the games. We do. We love to see undefeated that aren't expected to be undefeated like TCU. That's very interesting in the college world. But for now, I'm Alex Garrett. This was Lou Terminello's take number six. I can't believe it. Take six already. And uh, we'll do it again next week, Lou. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm Alex Garrett, and that was the Sports Spotlight on Lou Terminello.